0: Take your bowels and turn with me tonight to Revelations chapter 15. We're going to read there in chapter 15 and look at also chapter 16, Revelations chapter 15 and 16. We've been in a series that we've titled, It's Coming. We've dealt with different things during uh, this uh, study. And it's about the coming of the Lord, we're talking about the end times, talking about the, the tribulation period, talking about the one world government, the mark of the beast, and so forth. We've, we've worked our way up to about the middle of the tribulation is where we're at in our study now. But Revelation chapter 15, if you would please stand for the reading of God's Word if you're able to this evening. Revelations chapter 15, we'll read 15, but we're going to be t- we're mostly preaching out chapter 16. We'll just use that as we go through it. Revelation chapter 15 says and I saw another sign in heaven great and marvelous seven angels having the seven last plagues for in them is filled up the wrath of God and I saw as it were a sea of glass mingled with fire and them that had gotten the victory over the beast and over the images over the image and over his mark and over the number of his names stand on the sea of glass having the harps of God and they sing the song of moses the servant of god and the song of the lamb saying great and marvelous are thy works lord god almighty just and true are thy ways thou king of saints who shall not fear thee o lord and glorify thy name for thou, art, uh, for thou only art holy for all nations shall come and worship before thee for thy judgments are manif- made manifest and after that I looked and behold the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was open and the seven angels came out of the temple having the seven plagues clothed in pure and white linen and having their breasts gird with uh, with golden girdles and one of the four beasts gave unto the seven angels seven golden vials full of the wrath of God who liveth forever and ever and the temple was filled with the smoke from the glory of God and from his power and no man was able to enter into the temple till the seven plagues of the seven angels were fulfilled if you drop down in chapter 16, and we'll be going through there, but when you get into chapter 16, he, they begin to pour out those bowls of judgment. These angels do, and, and we'll deal with that tonight in looking at it. I'd like to preach a, a, t- a message tonight that I've titled, The Coming Bowl Judgment. And let's pray. Father, we come to you this evening asking, Lord, for clarity of thought, asking, Lord, for direction, wisdom, Lord, beyond what I have that might give to your people, Lord, that you might be glorified, that you might be lifted up. Lord, we see in these days, even in this day and time which we're living, Lord, we're seeing so many things come together that is pointing to the near return of our Savior, Jesus Christ, for the church and the soon coming of the tribulation period. Now, Lord, I pray that you just challenge us, Lord. May it not just be information that we take in, but, Lord, may there be application that causes us to live closer to you and for you and a better witness for you. For I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Be seated. We're moving, as I said, from the first half of the seven-year tribulation into the last half, uh, referred to by many as the Great Tribulation. Uh, they, we speak of the seven-year tribulation, but the first three and a half years they call it tribulation. But the last three and a half years, many refer to it as the Great Tribulation because of the type of things that will take place in that last three and a half years. It's a time of, of the most intense judgment as these bowls are poured out upon the earth and upon people, and it. It's a it's a terrible judgment. The entire world is still reeling, you might say, from the from, from the. Uh from the seals being opened and the judgments coming from them, and then the trumpets being blown and the judgments coming from them, we've dealt with all those already. They're reeling from the the war that has broke out and how that uh, uh, the antichrist now has taken over at the midpoint of of the uh, of the tribulation period. He is now in in charge. He has moved to a a high position. He is the leader, you might say, of the world. The other kings, he destroyed three of the kings, and now there's seven left. And uh, they have given their authority to the Antichrist, and now they're following him, and he's doing whatever he wants. He has caused everyone to, that, uh, that wants to buy and sell to take the mark of the beast, the number 666, which is the name of the beast, which also uh, points out the symbol of man, but it also points out that uh, it's uh, the Antichrist. That's his number that he uses. That will be actually in his name. If you break it down into the Hebrew numerology, his name will spell, in, will spell out 666. He said, well, preacher, will I be able to find out what his name is right now? No, you can't do it because you can add so many different numbers and come up with that number 666. And so we find that he's taken this over and at this time also Satan has been removed from his ability to come into the presence of God in heaven. Him and his angels have been cast down to the earth. Up until this time and even right now, Satan has the ability to go into the very throne room in the presence of God. And because he goes there, what he does, the Bible says that he accuses the brethren. Otherwise, he goes there and says, well, your people are doing this, this person doing this, uh, uh, Marcus is doing this, and boy, you ought to kill him, you ought to do, do away with him, or whatever it might be. And he accuses the brethren... When it comes to this point where he is cast out, there's this battle that takes place in the atmospheric heavens. is between Michael the archangel and his angels against Satan and his angels. And he defeats Satan and his angels. They are cast to the earth and they no longer can go into the atmospheric heavens anymore. They're held to this earth for a short period of time until God come, takes them and casts them into the lake of fire. Until Satan also is bound in the bottomless pit. And so we find that this is all coming together at this point at the three-and-a-half-year mark. Satan is angry because he can no longer do what he wants, so he's out to destroy every Jew that he possibly can. People say, well, why is he so interested in the Jew? Because the Jews are God's people, and God has prophesied and said that he will come back for his people, that he will redeem his people, that there is a remnant that will be there. It is prophesied. It has been said that that will happen. So Satan wants to cut that off. He wants to say, you are not able to fulfill your word and uh, so but that will not happen the prophecy of God will be fulfilled the remnant of God's people will turn to Jesus Christ as the Messiah and so we see that coming but Satan is trying to cut off during this time as the Antichrist takes over you have what is called the abomination of desolation we preached about that talked about that already how that he comes in and And he defiles the temple that's set up there. And again, let me remind you that God is not interested in man setting up a temple. Because we are the temple of God. What, know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have God, you're not your own. But Israel will go back and they will instill the Mosaic Law. They will build this temple. It will be in action. They will be offering sacrifices during the tribulation period, the first half. But when the Antichrist comes in to set up his control, he will defile the temple, which is called, Daniel calls it the abomination of desolation. You find it also in Matthew. You find it throughout Scripture. And you say, well, what is it? We don't know exactly what happens other than the fact that the beast will be set up in there. And that is similar to what we call the Holy Spirit. It's the unholy trinity. You have the Antichrist being the unholy son, you might say. Satan is the, uh, is the, the counterfeit father. And you have the uh, false prophet that will be set up in there that will be a picture of the Holy Spirit of God. Okay? But it is a counterfeit. And this image that he builds in there is to get people to worship the Antichrist, just as the Holy Spirit is works at trying to get people to worship Jesus Christ. And so this is the abomination of desolation, we believe that's set up in the in the uh, temple at that time there. And they, they leave off with the, with the sacrifices. They now have to run because Satan is causing the Antichrist because of his, his wrath being poured out because he's been cast to the earth. is now chasing out trying to find all the Jews and destroy anybody, the Jews and anybody that will not take the mark of the beast. They'll have to take it in their right hand or in their forehead. If they're going to buy and sell, trade, do anything at all. If not, they will be caught, they will be killed. And so they're on the run. Uh, there's a great animosity during this time, the greatest ever, against the Jews. Right now, we just recently we've seen the uh, how that the Palestinians have invaded Israel. And how that uh, there's, uh, uh, I don't know, over a thousand Israelis and uh, Jews and, and even some Americans that have been killed in this, this battle that's going on right now. And it's been declared a war. Uh, there's a lot of things happening. We don't realize how, you know, we're, we're kind of surrounded here and, and we don't realize how much people hate the Jews. Even in our own government, we have what they call the squad, and they have called out and they're, they're flying Palestinian flags in the capital of the United States, some of them are. They've been asked about, well, what about the beheading of those Jewish children? Babies, they've beheaded them. Uh, different things, and it's just massacred people. And they've asked these politicians about it, and they're like, we've been mean to the Palestinians too long. We need to take care of the Palestinians. And they're wicked, wicked, vile, vile people. One, one of the, uh, one, one Colorado uh, 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 legislator was asked uh, uh, what about the raping of the women there that's, that's happened during all this? He said, what about it? That's their attitude. Even in the United States, they have been, and some of our universities, they've been holding rallies for the Hamas and Palestinians glorifying what they've done, lifting them up. Australia, Europe, all around, there's all this stuff against the Jews. They've been chanting at some of the, they were chanting, I believe it was even in some of the universities here in the United States, gas the Jews, gas the Jews. All around the world, right now, there's a great animosity, has been forever, against the Jews, and, want, and people want them wiped out, even in America. But that has no, nothing to compare to what it will be like when Satan is bound to the earth. It will be like hunting season looking for the Jewish people. There's a lot of things that's taking place. I just pulled a couple real quick. I just copied off the first part just so I remember. I've got them on my computer. Uh, I can point you to them if you want to read the whole articles. African nations. African nations divided on support for Israel-Palestine, but call for peace. If you remember in the Ezekiel 38-39 war, that there will be African nations that will join Russia and the Muslim nations that come in together. You have Ethiopia and some of the others. I can't remember all the the different ones, but there's several of them that, that Russia has already given grain to in order to get their allegiance to be with them. Okay, that's that's one of the things that's come out yesterday. This man right here, I don't know if you recognize that picture. This is the guy that is he's the right-hand man in this battle in against the Ukraines. He's a Chechen, and I can't pronounce his name, Ramaz- Ramazan Kadyrov, something like that. But he is the uh, head of the Chechen Republic, and he is a Kremlin. Uh, guy that is, he's brought his armies from Chechnya to help Russia fight against the Ukrainians. He is a Muslim, a very strict Muslim. In fact, he built a mosque in Palestine, in the Gaza Strip there for the Palestinians in honor of his dad, which there was a missile from Hamas that hit real close to it, and uh, but he has, this, the headline says, Chechen leader says he is prepared to send his forces to support Palestine. Well, that brings in a link to Russia. One of the um, uh, uh, Messianic Jews that I read after, and get, get uh, update news and stuff from. He's constantly updating the, the things going on right now. They have been trying to figure out how this took Israel by surprise. Because Israel has some of the greatest intel in the world. Generally the reason that, that Israel has been able to withstand all of the things that's taken place is because they know about it before it ever happens but that didn't happen this time. They're trying to figure out what happened. They believe that there's possibly been some jamming equipment that was used against them during this period of time. Outside of the United States and, and the allies of Israel there's one other country that has that jamming equipment. Russia. They now believe and have been seeing some things that they believe that some of the equipment that's been, that's been captured by Russia in the Ukrainian war has been shipped to Hamas there in Palestine and so you see all these things coming together you say well preacher what's that mean well I'm just saying that there's a lot of things pointing to the alliances that will come together in the Ezekiel 38 39 war that will precede that will come before the tribulation period we're seeing these things take place this is not the Ezekiel 39, 38, or 38, 39 war that we're seeing. But these are things in preparation. You're going to see stuff like this with Israel from now until the Lord comes back. Okay? It's going to happen. And it's going to be on larger scales probably. But anyway, we're seeing the animosity here towards the Jews, but that has n- no comparison to what's coming okay so the Jews they flee into the wilderness at this point they go to Basra what is called Basra uh, it's down in the Jordanian area it's a, a place that many may know by the name of Petra it is a called wilderness the Bible talks about a mountain mountains that they'll flee to the mountains another one says they'll flee to the wilderness well it's both it's a wilderness mountains and the Petra has fortifications built into rock, into the mountains there. And they will flee. Many of them will flee from the, uh, uh, from the Antichrist. They will scatter everywhere, and they're going to go out hunting for them. But a, 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 a great bunch of them will head to, the, to Petra as a fortification during this at the end of the first three and a half years. And Satan and his angel, angels will cast, be cast down to the earth, as I said, and all that. They will be going after them. Well, in chapter 15, verse 1 picks up here. We find it picking up where it is left off in chapter 11 and verse 19. Revelation chapter 11, verse 19 says, And the temple of God was opened in heaven, and there was was seen in his temple the ark of his testament, and there were lightnings and voices and thunderings and an earthquake and great hail. This is at the sounding of the seventh trumpet, that now is opening that seventh trumpet as it sounds. It opens up into the first or it opens up into the, the seven bowl judgments that the angels are going to pour out. Uh, in Revelations 15 there in verse 2 through 4 there's a view of the martyred saints of the second half of the tribulation. They're, they're killed during this period of time. But these came out victorious. They, though they lost their lives they came out victorious because they didn't take the mark of the beast they did not bow to the to the Antichrist they won a spiritual battle now they're in heaven they're rejoicing they're singing they're they're magnifying the Lord uh, for the great things that he's done they didn't worship the beast and didn't take the mark then in verses 5 through 8 in chapter 15 you have the seven angels are given the seven bowls to carry out the final series of judgments the results of, giving the, uh, of the giving of these bowls in the temple in heaven is, is the temple in heaven filled with the Shekinah glory of God. If you remember, if you go back, uh, when God filled the temple there, when Solomon and had built the temple and they prayed and, and the Shekinah glory came down upon the temple, uh, it was as a smoke or as a, as a cloud and, and man could not stay in there. They had to leave the temple. Nobody could enter the temple while the Shekinah glory of God was there. Now all of a sudden the temple in heaven, this heavenly temple that's there, where the Ark of His Testament is there, is now as the, the angels step out, the seven angels, and they're given the seven bowls of judgment, the, the great judgment of God. There's a smoke, you might say, there, but it is the Shekinah glory of God fills it, and nobody is able to enter into the heavenly temple there. Look at verse 7 and 8. He says, And one of the four beasts gave unto the seven angels seven golden vials full of the wrath of God. That's important. Think about that. Think about the wrath of God. Think about God's anger. Think about what he can do. I mean, he he opened up the earth like that and and swallowed up Korah and, and his cohorts like that and closed it back up on them. Think about how that he stood the waters on heap and in the Red Sea and, and, and all the children of Israel crossed the cross and, and then he closed it back up on Pharaoh and all them. Think about how that all the different things that he has done his, and, and, and to those who have turned against him. But now you see that it says, that it. look what it says, full of the wrath of God. Not just a little bit. These, these vials, these, these bowls are not just got a little bit of wrath in them. It says that they're full of the wrath of God. You think a minute, you say, well, preacher, how much would that be? I, I, I can't explain it. I, I only my mind can wrap around it because my mind cannot wrap around the opposite of it, which is the love of God. You think about how much God loves man where we have been so wicked and vile against him, and yet he loved us and gave his son to die for us on the cross that we could have eternal life. As much of that love as there is, beyond our comprehension, there is the wrath of God. say, how do you know there's that much? Because the Bible says that he is just. He is just. He's a righteous God. He's a just God, which means that there is a balance of His love and His wrath. But now He has filled the bowls with His wrath, and He's been getting ready to have the angels poured out. Verse 8 says, that the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God, which is the Shekinah glory, and from His power, and no man was able to enter into the temple till the seven plagues of the seven angels were fulfilled. You see, man, those who know Jesus Christ as their Savior, who, those of the church who have been raptured out, we're in that presence there. We're there. If you're saved, you're there. You're seeing this in heaven. Stop and think about it. Man. A lot of what we've preached about, we're in heaven. We're watching it firsthand. We're seeing it from a heavenly perspective. We're seeing what's taking place in heaven but I believe that we're also seeing what's taking place on earth at this time, as God has begun to pour out his wrath. That moves us over into chapter 16. The first bowl is poured out. Look at verse 1 and 2. I heard a great voice out of the temple saying to the seven angels, Go your ways and pour out the vials of the wrath of God upon the earth. And the first went and poured out his vial upon the earth. And there fell a noisome and grievous sore upon the men which had the mark of the beast and upon them that worshipped his image. The first bowl that is poured out is clearly upon those who have received the mark of the beast and who worship the Antichrist and the beast. This is a, it's a, it's a, it's a, those who have received that mark in, in Revelations chapter Chapter 14 is really, it's a fulfillment of that, that, what has been said there in Revelation 14. Begin verse 9, it says, <clears throat> And the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast and his image and receive the mark in his forehead or in his hand, notice what it says, The same, or the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God. Which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation, and he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever, and they have no rest, day nor night, who worship the beast in his image, and whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. And so, what you have, as he pours out this, this bowl, there's a grievous, no, no, noisome sore a, that, that covers their bodies. I don't know if you've ever had a boil. But boy, they're painful. Consider your body being covered with that. It's a ulcerous running sore. Consider your body being in so much pain because there's sores all over. You can't stand your clothes to touch it. Um, When we had back, when we had the uh, COVID Janine got sick, like the flu and all that sort of stuff, and I got it, and I had all the signs and stuff like that, but my whole body felt like I had a sunburn on my whole body. I mean, you just touch it, and it was just like a, a bad sunburn everywhere, my feet, my top of my head, everywhere, and just moving and my clothes moving is like having your clothes on a bad sunburn. That's the way it felt. That's nothing to compare to this noisome, grievous sore that will, that will be on them, these sores all over their body. And they will be in agony and pain from that. Now listen, this is poured out on those who have, who have taken the mark of the beast and who worship the Antichrist and the beast. It doesn't say about those. It wasn't poured out upon those who have fled to Basra, to Petra. It doesn't say anything about them suffering and going through that. It's those who have received the mark. It was promised by God that they would, that they would be in agony and pain uh, 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 night and day. It says in the smoke tornado, uh, uh, and they have no rest day or night. Can you imagine? You've been sick or sore or whatever and lay in your bed and you can't even sleep or rest because of the pain of it. It's nothing compared to what they'll be going through because this is the wrath of God being poured out. This would be some kind of skin ulcer or malignancy of the skin that torments them greatly. Then the second bowl is poured out. And by the way, while this is all happening, the other plagues that's been poured out, they're still carrying on. It isn't just like, okay, this is done, this is done, this is done, and you no longer have that. No, the results of that and all that is still going on. And this is another one that's poured on top of it. The second bowl is poured out in in verse 3. The second angel poured, uh, or yeah, the second angel poured out his vial upon the sea, and it became as blood of dead men, of a dead man, and every living soul died in the sea. During the trumpet judgments, you had a third of the salt water was affected. Now the rest of the water is is turned to blood, destroying all that's in the sea. There's nothing in the sea anywhere, any of the seas, that is alive. So, well, okay, but how's that bad? Many of the countries in that area of Jerusalem, Israel, and all those countries, guess what they eat a lot of? Fish. A lot of fish. There will be nothing alive. It will be destroyed. Around the world, one of the, greatest, uh, one of the, one of the main uh, food staples is fish that will be destroyed because them turn it to blood. The third bowl is then poured out in in verses 4 through 7 there. It says, And the third angel poured out his vial upon the rivers and fountains of waters, and they became blood. I heard the angel of the waters say, Thou art righteous, O Lord, which art and wast and shalt be, because thou hast judged thus. For they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, And thou hast given them them blood to drink, for they are worthy. And I heard another out of the altar say, Even so, Lord, God Almighty, true and righteous are thy judgments. In the third trumpet that has already sounded, again, a third part of the fresh water has already been destroyed. Now the remainder of all the fresh water has been turned to blood. And the judgment is this. You have killed my prophets. You have killed the saints. You shed their blood. A whole lot like what's going on over there in Israel right now. You have killed them. You were bloodthirsty. You wanted their blood. Now you've got it. And that's what you'll drink. That's what you'll drink. He gives them that blood to remind them of that since mankind has shed the blood of, the, of those people. The fourth bowl was poured out. Verses 8 and 9 says, And the fourth angel poured out his vial upon the sun, and the power was given unto him to scorch men with fire. And men were scorched with, the, with great heat and blasphemed the name of God, which hath power over these plagues. And notice what it says, And they repented not to give him glory. If you go back to the trumpets again, The fourth trumpet that sounded, the judgment of God was that He destroyed a third part of the light, whether it be of the sun or the moon or the stars. They didn't shine for a third part of their normal time. Now it's completely different. He takes the sun, He intensifies the light, He intensifies the heat, and it scorches man. I've heard different ones talk about it. How will it happen? I've heard everyone say, well, he'll probably move the earth closer to the sun. I don't know that to be the truth, whether it will happen that way. God can increase the heat. He can increase the intensity of the sun any way he wants to. Uh, we think that we had a, you know, a lot of people talk about climate change. Brother, you don't know what climate change is until God gets a hold of it. They think that we've had the hottest year so far. Uh, They don't know anything because he will cause that intensity of that heat and that sun to increase so much it says that it scorches them. Now, I don't know about you, but I've been around and had myself scorched by heat. Sometimes, just take a, a, for example, a lot of times you can buy these different foods, maybe, oh, like a, like a, uh a frozen lasagna or something like that, and you, and you put it in the, the stove and you cook it for the 25 hours that it says cook it for. I don't know how long it cooked for. <laughs> you pull it out and, and it's got that foil on it and you pull that foil back and what rolls out of that steam and that heat and it burns you and it blisters. That's exactly what's going to happen during that time. The scorching of that heat the blistering of that heat. Do you know what happens w- when you get a blister? It draws fluid from your body to protect that area. Now wait a minute, what's happened here? They're having to drink blood. Now they're in a scorching heat. The only thing they've got to drink, they have to drink something. So they have to drink the blood. And the scorching heat and the and the noisome sores that is bleeding, not bleeding, but is draining. When you have an ulcerous running sword, do you know what is there? It's drawing fluids from your body. Yeah. When you get scorched and you have blisters on you, what's it doing? It's drawing fluids from your body. And they're going through this. This is not this is not just a, a walk in the park, folks. And they're going through this. All this. Uh, Day and night and day and night, plus all the other stuff that's still lingering and going on. They're scorched by it. But here's the sad part. Look there, it it says, and they repented not. But let me back up. It says, and men were scorched with great heat and blasphemed the name of God. They cursed him. They cussed him. They shook their fist at him. They hated him. And the latter part it says, and they repented not to give him glory. If they would have turned and asked for forgiveness and, and received Christ as their Savior, but if you'll back up, they'd receive the mark of the beast. When they receive the mark of the beast, their soul is damned forever there's no turning back. That's why. That's why it's so important that we reach people while we got time before they're ever in that position where they would take the mark of the beast. Because once they cross that, that line, it's, it's over. The right. Bible says they'll believe a lie and be damned. And they reach that point of no return. Then the fifth angel pours out his, his vial. Verse 10 11. The fifth angel poured out his vial upon the seed of the beast and his kingdom is full of darkness. And they gnawed their tongues for pain and blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores and repented not of their deeds. The entire kingdom. Notice this again. This is poured out upon the, the kingdom of the beast. Okay. This is, but by now, at this point, that's worldwide. This is a worldwide darkness, except in that Jordanian area where they have got away to Petra. That Jordanian area has light because that is not the seat of the beast. And so they have this and and it says they blasphemed God because of their pains and their sores and repented not of their deeds. That I, I, don't, I don't understand what it is that causes the pain, but there's a, apparently there's something about this absolute darkness that causes them because of the pain and because of the darkness to gnaw their tongue. When I worked on the ambulance, one of the trainings that we had to go through was to place bite blocks in people's mouths when they were having different types of, of episodes. And the reason for that was to keep them from biting their tongues completely off because they will. And there was one one time that I had to do that and uh, I was fearful that the lady was going to, be, she began to move her mouth and, and she didn't know what was going on. And, and there's a piece that we put in here and in here that would keep her from completely biting down. They're called bite blocks. And we put them in their mouth to stop them from chewing their tongue. But in this darkness from this plague, this bowl that's been poured out, it says that they will gnaw their tongues. Because of the pain, because the agony, because of the darkness, a darkness so dark you can feel it. Most, a lot of people have, have never experienced that type of darkness. I remember years ago when I was dating my wife, my sister-in-law worked at Fantastic Caverns. And we went in down there, and they took you back in a Jeep and take you down into that cave, down way back in there. And you're looking at all the beautiful uh, things in there, you know, slag tights and mites and whatever, kind of whatever they are, you know. And they put color lights on them. it's just beautiful. And when they got us way down there, before they turned us around, they said, we want you to see what it's like to have no light at all. And they shut the lights off. And I've never experienced a darkness before that, or since that time, it's so dark, you can feel it. I would have never thought somebody said, "Well, you can." It's so dark, you can feel it. But it was so dark, you could feel it. I remember taking my hand and going like this. In most places, with all the lights out, there's still a little bit of light, and you can go like this, and you can tell that your hand's going back and forth. There, I could not tell it other than the fact that it was my arm. There will be such a darkness and a terrible thing. Most of us want to see daylight come when we're sick. There's something about that. But again, instead of repenting, they'll blaspheme God because of the pain and the darkness because it's so thick. Then the sixth angel pours out his bowl, judgment. All this is continuing on. Verse 12 says, And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the rivers Euphrates, and the water thereof was dried up, that the way the kings of the east might be prepared, and I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are the spirits of devils working miracles which go forth unto the kings of the earth and the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments lest he uh, walk naked and they see his shame. And he gathered them together into a place called in the Hebrew tongue Armageddon. This is what begins at this point when that sixth bowl is poured out. This is what begins the gathering in that Valley of Medigo. Armageddon, the campaign of Armageddon. Many times when you speak of Armageddon, the Battle of Armageddon, everybody thinks of it being in that Valley of Armageddon, but that's really just a staging place. That battle's not going to be fought there. There may be some battles there a little bit, but that's not where the major battle is fought. That is, there's so many people that's going to be brought into this, into this army. Remember they talked about the three unclean spirits that come out of their mouths? And they go out and they do great miracles and stuff to draw the, the kings. Remember, there's seven kings left. They've got to convince them to come out because of all this that's been going on and all these problems that's happening. They don't want to go out and fight. Man, they're in pain. They're, they're struggling themselves. So they go out and they do these miracles and these wonders before them and they convince these kings to gather up their armies. And they have to have a place to meet, a staging area. And so they come to this, this valley of, of, of Armageddon, of Medigo there. And uh, it's, uh, it's out from, from Israel. There's an opening there. It, it, it's a kind of an overlooking of another valley called Jezreel. And they begin to pull these armies together. It's a gathering place, a staging area. Because they're trying, the Antichrist is, is in, in some way convincing them, if we can do away with the Jews, all this will stop. And he has them convinced. They begin to make their march down that valley to Jerusalem. They want to go to Jerusalem. They want to destroy every Jew. They have to begin to spread out everywhere because remember I told you that the, that the Jews at that, at that halfway point, God told them to, to flee. And they're scattered everywhere, not just at Petra but every place else. They're, these Jews are running for their lives. The Euphrates River dries up so that they can make and assemble and come together there, the forces of Armageddon campaign. As I said, like I said, often referred to as the Battle of Armageddon, it's actually the gathering place so they can march upon the, the western end of that valley of Jezreel as they're headed to Jerusalem. Beyond their understanding, it's really a gathering against the God, the God the Father and His anointed, Jesus Christ the Messiah. They don't understand that. Satan does, but they don't understand it. We find over in the Psalms, the Scripture uh, talks about sitting, God sitting in the heavens and laughing because He will soon have these nations and kings in confusion. In the Psalms, Psalms chapter 2, begin verse 1, it says, Why do the heathen rage? And the people imagine a vain thing. The kings, notice what it says, The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against the anointed. That's Jesus saying, Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. They're they're saying that the whole problem is the Jews. Again, you you right now you turn on if you could listen to the different places, they're saying the problem's the Jews. That's what they're saying, even though they didn't have anything to do with this battle starting. Says he sitteth in the heavens. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh, the Lord shall have them in derision. Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. Yet I have set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. You see, the Antichrist's armies will move towards Jerusalem to take it over and, and then head for Basra to Petra to do battle. You come to the final and seventh bowl, it's poured out. Verse 17. The seventh angel poured out his vial into the air. And there came a great voice out of the temple of heaven and from the throne saying, It is done. What's done, preacher? The judgments of God. He's poured out the last one. He's ready for war. And their voice, there were voices and thunderings and lightnings and there was a great earthquake such as was not since men were upon the earth, so mighty an earthquake and so great. And great city was divided into three parts. The cities of the nations fell, and great great Babylon came in remembrance before God to give unto her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. Notice what it says in verse 20. And every island fled away and the mountains were found were not found and theres fell upon men a great hail of heaven every stone about the weight of a talent and men blasphemed god because of the plague of the hail for the plague thereof was exceeding great a few things to notice there one is how big a hail is that preacher well there's a dispute The low number is twenty-five pounds. The higher number is hundred and twenty-five pounds. Hail, that size. Twenty-five pounds would be bad enough. This is the wrath of God. They've gathered their armies. He pours out a hail upon them of at least twenty-five pounds. Several years ago, Janine was headed up Highway 49 to pick up Heather and, and Bethany at Lay that babysit them when she was teaching at the Christian school there in Piedmont. And there was a tornado went through. I was out on a service call with my van. I had a, a regular panel van. And after that tornado went through, it began to hail. And the hail was so large, it smashed my windshield. I pulled, and that was with the truck pulled in to a tree to protect it as much as possible, and it smashed my windshield, beat up the top of it. The, the shop building that we had that we worked out of, it knocked holes that big in the roof. It knocked holes in the ground that deep. These pieces of hail, you've seen the country crock margarine bowls, the brown ones like that. You could not get three of them in it. They were bigger than baseballs. The size of baseballs are bigger. I cannot imagine what a 25 pound piece of hail would be like. I seen a picture of one that had spun together and it was almost in a funnel shape. Uh, it wasn't during this storm, but it was over around Van Buren uh, and they had the picture of it that uh, it was like a funnel. It was about that tall, just went like this. And it went through the top of a suburban. Punched all the way through the top of a suburban. Steel. Can you imagine what a 25-pound chunk of ice would do falling from the sky? But he said that the islands fled away. The earthquake is so great that the mountains are no more. See, preacher, how could that be? We've been seeing, and, and and you could throw this into what's taking place right now, uh, Afghanistan. Over 2,000 immediately they said were dead because of Sunday. There was a 6.3 uh, Richter scale uh, 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 earthquake and had one up in Seattle, Washington, and had another one someplace. There, it's 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 happening everywhere, and we're seeing more and more people of great devastation die because of these earthquakes with modern buildings. I was reading an article that talked about, about the power of the, the tonnage of what a, of what a um, earthquake could have. I, don't, I, can't, I should have wrote it down, but I think it was a, a, a 9.0 earthquake would be like dropping like 400 atomic bombs. They said a 10 would be like dropping 4,000 atomic bombs. But if God shakes this world, he says, as has never been before, he says it's going to be so bad, the mountains are going to disappear, the islands won't be no more. Because of the power and the wrath of God. This is all when they begin to move towards Basra to the Petra. And when that happens, Jesus Christ himself will step out of heaven at Petra. A lot of people say, at the Mount of Olives. No. He'll step out of heaven, but his foot will touch down after he kills the Antichrist they will force them back to Jerusalem up through what is called the Valley of Jehoshaphat. This valley is a more narrow, and I'm not going to get into all this. We're going to talk about the battle next week where the blood will run to the bridles of the horses. It's more of a narrow valley. They have, they, and this hail and stuff that's going on will kill people. These, they've spread out to, to try to, to get these Jews that are spread out all over uh, all over all over Israel and this hail and stuff will kill them and these armies will be driven back and God will destroy them there. The antichrist will be destroyed probably there before they get to Jehoshaphat. They will probably be destroyed probably around Petra. Because God himself Jesus Christ the Messiah the son of God will save the remnant his people. That's as far as we're going to go tonight. But I won't give you an application. We'll do about the we'll go to chapter 19 and stuff next week and look at the battle. There's a coming end. There's coming and ending, I'll put it that way. There's coming and ending. When the Lord will say it's done, it's finished. If you notice there, in Revelation 16, verse 17, there's a loud voice comes forth that says, it's done. It's done. But in Revelation chapter 21, verse 3 says, and I heard a great voice out of heaven. Well, here it comes again. Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people and God himself shall be with them and be their God. God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he, he said unto me, Write for these words that are faithful and true. Verse 6, and he said unto me, It is done. It's done. I'm Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that a thirst of the fountain of water of life freely. But here's what we need to understand. There's coming a time when the Lord himself from heaven will say it's done. In your life and my life, there's going to come a time when the Lord will say to you and me, it's done. It may be at the rapture, it may be in an accident, it might be with cancer, you might just drop over naturally. God says, it's done. It takes us home. There's coming a time when it will be done. But until then, we need to be busy while we can to live for the Lord and to reach as many people for Jesus Christ as we can so that they don't have to face these things that we've been preaching about. Lifting up the Lord Jesus Christ, praising the Lord, worshiping Him now because there's going to come a voice one day that says, it's done. And when God says it's done, it's done. There's no more. Well, give me another day to get this right. Give me another chance to, to witness to this person. Give me another chance to live for you. Give me another. No, he says, it's done. And when God says it's done, it's over. John chapter 9 verse 4 says, I must work the works of him that sent me while it's day. For the night cometh when no man can work. There's going to come a voice one day in your life and my life, whether it be the rapture or whether it be death, and God's going to say to you and me, it's done. Lord, give me another chance. No, it's done. And even for the lost world, those who are lost, there's going to come a time he'll say, it's done, and eternity will be sealed for a lake of fire. While we're alive, while we see things happening, while we, while we see the Scripture, while we understand the coming of the Lord is getting closer, we need to work while it's day. For the night cometh when no man can. We need to pull out all the stops. We need to do everything we can to reach the lost. We need to do everything we can to live for the Lord, magnify Him, glorify Him, lift Him up because we're going to hear that voice one day. It's done. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for loving us. Thank you for your mercy and goodness to us now, Lord. I pray that you help us to live for you. While there's yet time, Lord, I pray that you would help us to, to live in such a way that others might be saved. Lord, I don't know. You know the hearts of every person here. There may be somebody here tonight that doesn't know Jesus Christ their Savior. If they was to die right now, if they was to hear that word, it's done. They don't know that they'd go to heaven. They might be religious. They might be a church member. Might have been in church all their life, but if they've never received Jesus Christ as their Savior, Lord, no church, no baptism, nothing can get them to heaven. It, they must be born again. You told Nicodemus you must be born again. They must receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Have your will and way, Lord, tonight. We things, ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with your heads bowed?